0: production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Katrina Blowers. It is Thursday September 9. It's also Are You Okay Day. Hey Antoinette Latouf. Hello. Are you okay?
1: You know I am. Today is a better day than many of the days last week. Thank you for asking. What about yourself?
0: I'm okay I'm in Queensland so I'm not in lockdown but my heart goes out to everyone who is in particular the kids now Antoinette you and I both are mums we have Mm -hmm. kids in our life and many other people have got young kids in their life whether it be siblings or nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. and on today's briefing we thought we would focus on those kids and find out ways to help them navigate this pandemic because Antoinette as you know kids often Mm -hmm. don't tell us when they're not okay
2: I've been working with a lot of young people who they're scared to go out to places because they're worried they might get sick. They're getting scared because everyone's wearing masks and they don't understand why or what that means.
1: It was so interesting because um, over the weekend, well, my six-year-old saw her grandfather in a socially distanced outdoor settings following all the public health orders. And the initial reaction I thought she'd have was to run and embrace him and then I would have to kind of jump in and stop it. But she took a step back. And she was scared. Mm. She was scared to interact with him. And I just thought, oh, wow, I didn't ever really, you know, I didn't ever really consider what, you know, hearing all of this news, seeing her grandfather masked would do to her. And I just think the impact has been much more significant than a lot of people realise.
0: That absolutely breaks my heart. So we are going to talk to a clinical psychologist in the second half of this episode about helping our children make sense of the pandemic. First up though, here are all the day's headlines.
1: COVID restrictions will be eased across regional Victoria and New South Wales over the next 48 hours.
0: Regional Victoria, excluding Shepparton, will come out of lockdown at midnight tonight, while parts of regional New South Wales will be released from lockdown at midnight tomorrow night.
1: In New South Wales, this includes areas of the mid and north coast, as well as areas across the Riverina and the Murrumbidgee regions.
0: Yeah, shout out to my dad, who's up near Yamba, looking forward to being able to go further than the supermarket. Uh, Western New South Wales, Hunter New England and Greater Sydney will remain in lockdown, though.
1: Meanwhile, the New South Wales Crisis Cabinet says October 18 is the date pubs and clubs are likely to reopen. There are certain conditions of opening at 70 per cent double dose uh, and certainly will meet all those conditions. But I'm extremely optimistic that at 70 per cent double dose, everybody who is vaccinated will enjoy life much more freely uh, than what we do today.
0: That's the Premier, Gladys Berejiklian there. Can you imagine what a big party night October 18 is going to be? Marketing your diaries, people.
1: If the projections are right, October 18 is that big date. It's when New South Wales should reach 70% double-dose vaccination.
0: So the roadmap for New South Wales to come out from lockdown will be released today, and it's expected to see restaurants, shops, and hairdressers, hairdressers, yes. reopen with capacity limits to fully vaccinated people.
1: And for those NRL fans, um, Katrina, it means for the first time in 114 years, the NRL Grand Finals will be played outside of New South Wales, instead in Queensland. So that's a win for I you know. guys.
0: It is huge for Queensland. It kind of feels like NRL and Queensland. It's kind of the spiritual home of NRL anyway. So, yeah, a huge event for Queensland and a big coup. We're we're very lucky to have it. Meanwhile, the federal government is making plans to allow Australians to travel overseas from November. And this
1: plan will come into place once Australia reaches the 80% vaccination rate.
0: Yeah, so you will be required to show a vaccine passport to prove that you've had two doses of COVID vaccines, whether that's on your phone in the form of a QR code. And of course, there's like so much to talk through here, you know, with privacy concerns mm. and proof of identity, given that all the different states have got different methods of checking apps and all of that. So we need to we need to work through a little bit here first.
1: So Trade
0: Minister Dan and yesterday
1: confirmed the government was still working towards the national plan and that was first announced by the Prime Minister in July. When we reach 80%, nationally an average of 80%, and the state has, or territory has reached 80%, we will lift all restrictions on outbound travel for vaccinated Australians.
0: So the other thing that needs to be worked through, and I believe is on the agenda for National Cabinet tomorrow, is a home quarantine mm. system for all the states. All the states must be on board with that same system of uh, two weeks when you get back into the country.
1: And I don't know what you're feeling, Katrina, but when I first heard that news and the idea of being able to go overseas I was like oh my god I'm so excited I'll go anywhere um, but I don't know I've been I've been a bit reluctant to book anything because you know next week I was meant to be in in sunny Queensland um, and that hasn't happened there' have been so many cancellations mm. so many vouchers and I don't know I, I'm wondering how people are feeling and if they're really going to try and make some plans given the uncertainty of the of the past two years where are you at with this
0: I'm the same as you I, I've do you know I've just embraced so much holidaying at home that there's mm. actually still a ton of places around Australia that mm. I really want to see. Yeah, maybe that's the safer plan.
1: More claims the vaccine rollout was bungled. Now there's evidence the federal government ignored approaches by the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer as COVID vaccines were being developed in mid-2020.
0: Yeah, you can see this is going to be shaping as a big election issue. The federal opposition sourced emails via Freedom of Information showing federal health officials decided not to meet with representatives of Pfizer who were offering millions of doses as early as June 2020.
1: Labor's health spokesman Mark Butler told the ABC the decision had led to authorities having to resort to lockdowns to fight the Delta surge. The government went on a go slow. Australians are now paying the price for their failures. They're paying a price through these debilitating lockdowns.
0: So Antoinette, we did a briefing episode on the Pfizer meeting story back in June. So uh, anyone listening who wants to find out more can go back into the archives and look at that one.
1: At the time, Professor Bill Botel, adjunct professor at UNSW's Kirby Institute, told us Australia was offered a deal with Pfizer and knocked it back.
0: I've been in government for a long time. And I have not seen anything remotely that has been so mishandled as this procurement. The Department of Health is denying the claims.
1: And it signed a deal in November with Pfizer to supply 10 million doses. The trial of a man charged with carrying out the 2015
0: terror attacks in Paris has begun overnight. Only one of the 10 assailants survived the attacks, 19 alleged accomplices are also being tried.
1: 130 people were killed and 500 were injured as extremists attacked the Bataclan concert hall, a soccer stadium and nearby cafes.
0: So this trial is taking place in a purpose-built courtroom in Paris. And the terrorists were mostly
1: French citizens who had travelled to ISIS-controlled territory in Syria for military training before they returned to Europe where the attacks were prepared, mainly in Belgium.
0: And to give you some scope of just how big this trial is, over 300 lawyers and nearly 1,800 plaintiffs will take part.
1: And a man has been arrested for the murder
0: of an Australian woman in the Eastern European nation of Georgia. 31-year-old Sinead Edwards was found dead on July 31. Miss Edwards, an English teacher
1: from Melbourne, disappeared the day before after going hiking at a popular park in the capital city, Tbilisi.
0: So a friend told police she received a phone call from Sinead where she could be heard screaming for help saying, please let me go, an awful call for her to get. And her body was found the following day. Georgia's Ministry of Internal Affairs announced last night it had arrested a Georgian citizen residing in Tbilisi for the premeditated murder of Ms Edwards.
1: The accused man has been identified only by the initials RM and his birth year, 1988. Now he's facing up to 15 years in prison.
0: All right. Up next, Antoinette and I interview a clinical psychologist on how to talk to your kids and find out how they're doing on this Are You Okay Day. Antoinette, I know that a lot of us as adults have really struggled to make sense of this pandemic. Mostly, I think it's just the uncertainty and the loss of control, really. We thought the world was one way. We thought we could make plans for our future. And look, it was so certain seemingly for so long, but now we're not sure what freedoms we'll have from day to day. And we've kind of had to learn to be okay with that.
1: And like it or not, we've just had to find a way to carry on. But study out just last week found that 44% of the 3,000 Aussies surveyed said their emotional well-being or that of their families and loved ones has suffered in the past three months.
0: And I know that a lot of my friends, I've got friends in Victoria who've been locked down and, you know, had to do homeschooling for so long now, can see that their children are really hurting. It is so hard though to know how to start those conversations with young people in your life or engage with them even if you don't have kids you might have younger siblings or cousins or even friends who have young children. It's just knowing how to engage with mm. them so that they can tell you what's wrong.
1: So today we're going to shine a light on kids and how to support them in these really annoying tumultuous times and probably asking how are you okay, has never been more important. So what are some of the do's and don'ts? Should you shield them from all the bad news? For those answers and more, we're speaking with Dr Louise Williams and she's been a child psychologist for 15 years.
0: Dr Louise Williams, thank you so much for making time to chat with us on the briefing. I guess so many people really aren't okay at the moment. We're hearing about record numbers of calls to places like Kids Helpline and and Lifeline. Are mental health practitioners just bracing themselves for things to get even more dire?
2: Yeah, it has been a a really different time, I think, especially working in the field, and what we have seen is such an increase in people seeking help people needing help it's certainly changed as well there is a lot more anxiety depression, and just stress among families among kids just in the community it's very different time than what we've ever experienced before.
1: I'm a big mental health advocate because I, you know, I live with anxiety and I've, I've battled depression. One of the things I'm concerned about during the pandemic is managing that anxiety without impacting the kids too much. And I often wonder, like, what's the balancing act between legitimising feelings of fear and despair, but not kind of causing it or passing mm-hmm. it on to your children? You know, what are you? What are some pointers there?
2: If parents are struggling, it's important, or if they're feeling anxious, if they're worried about what's happening, it's okay for the children or for your kids, but for kids in general to be aware of that. Um, we don't want to hide our emotions from them. We want kids to see emotions and experience emotions, know that emotions are okay, but it's about how we manage them and how we show the kids that we're managing them that's really important so that they themselves learn, oh, if I feel anxious, there are things I can do to make myself feel better or if I'm feeling sad, it's okay to feel sad, but I can go for a walk or I can mm-hmm. call a friend or I can do those things that make me feel that little bit better.
0: So solutions-based kind of conversations rather than problems-based ones.
2: I mean, I'm not saying if you're if you're if what you're worried about to actually talk about it with your kids, especially if it's not appropriate for them mm-hmm. to know about it. Like we don't say, oh we're really worried about the virus, we're really worried about getting sick, I'm worried about Mm. my job, I'm worried. We we don't share those stresses with the kids. Or grandma
0: or granddad getting sick or Mm. something like that, Yeah. yeah.
2: Absolutely. But we can express to them that we are feeling worried in general and this is how we try and make ourselves feel better.
0: One of the things I struggle with is that kids often find it difficult to open up and it's hard to sometimes, you know, you ask them, how are you doing? And you might get like a one word answer. They tend to Mm -hmm. sort of open up slowly over time. So how can you tell either as a parent or as someone with young children in your life, how can you tell when something's not quite right? I think it's
2: just making sure you have that they know that there is that chance to talk to you, that you're not too busy to give them that time. Mm -hmm. So setting up those regular rituals with your kids, whether it be Making sure you're sitting down having breakfast with them in the morning if they're morning people, or setting aside that fifteen twenty minutes of an evening, just just to sit with them. And you don't have to say, "Oh, now's our time to talk." Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's the end of the day. You you sit with them as they're hopping into bed, or you're just having a general chat about your day, and then you're beginning to get be a pick up from them, what sort of stuff they're experiencing, or just letting them talk. And they might be telling you about all this random stuff, and then suddenly whether they drop a sentence or a couple of words and you're like, oh, hang on a second, talk about that a little bit more, you know. Mm. And sometimes we can just get some information just by being with them and just letting letting them talk. Or for those families that are in lockdown at the moment and if you're at home with the kids all of the time, sitting down and playing with them and letting them lead that play. And you can usually start to get an idea of, you know, what the themes are around the play, what that what the stuff is that's going on in their minds that they don't even realise might be relevant to talk to you about.
1: That's obviously some really good advice. And I'm thinking about my sister here where that sort of advice doesn't necessarily apply. She's got four teenage boys and they kind of do their mm-hmm. own thing and they just grunt when you ask them. you know know, what do you want to eat and how are you feeling um and she often really struggles with getting anything more than you know a grunt or one word Mm -hmm. what other questions or things can be asked because obviously they're not sitting down playing lego together no
2: they're in their room playing Fortnite, aren't they Yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) well i mean that's when you can you know if you are eating a meal as a family or if you are spending that family time together you can ask them those open questions. I mean, teenagers have, I guess, a bit more of an understanding of what's going on with this virus from what they've seen on TV or what their friends have told them and what they've come across on social media. So I think it's about really asking them some of those direct questions, like, what do you know about it? Are you worried about it? And just giving them the truthful information. So they might not be saying, oh, yes, I'm, I'm worried that I might get sick or I'm worried about grandma and grandpa. But they might be like, oh, no, we're not worried about it. No, we saw in the news about, you know, that there's a high death rate and, mm. oh, there's, everyone's getting sick in New South Wales. I mean, that they will have information. But it's about giving them the truthful
1: information. So yeah, that's and that's part of the that's part of the problem because they're social media mm. junkies and they're on WhatsApp oh. <laughs> and they're not necessarily media literate and they're reading and consuming so much disinformation. It's just hard to unpack that, uh, let alone get down oh, to how they're really feeling.
2: Absolutely, and I think if we can let them know the facts as how they are in our country, so what they need to be aware of, letting them know that yes. We can talk about it in this house. You guys are older. Let's have a let's have a discussion. Are we all okay? You know, are you worried about it? Are you feeling okay? It doesn't have to be a big deal because I think that's what's happening is we're making it such a big deal. And while it is scary and no one really knows where it's going, I think we need to just let kids know we're doing all the things that we can do to keep. Everyone's safe, and that's what the lockdowns are for. That's what the homeschooling is for. That's why we can't see family members or we can't go away and do all the things that we might usually do as a family. But she can sit there and, you know, they can have dinner together, they can talk about it. A lot of the time, I think teenagers, they, they do think about the bigger things, but they are also very egocentric, very focused mm-hmm. on themselves and, you know, I guess what, what's happening now and what's next, not too many steps after that a lot of the time.
0: What are you seeing in your practice that's different to what you were seeing before the pandemic?
2: There has been such an increase in anxiety and just children worried about the virus. I've been working with a lot of young people who have, they're scared to go out to places because they're worried they might get sick. They're getting scared because everyone's wearing masks and they don't understand why or what that means because they're too young to really understand it. All they think is, wow, everyone, everyone looks scary because we can't see people's faces anymore. A lot of children are you know, becoming more, I guess, scared of separating from their parents because they're becoming anxious about being away from them. A very scared group of kids, I guess, is That's the best beautiful. way to sum it up.
0: That makes me feel <laughs> so is- sad.
2: It's so hard for them. So a lot of the parents I work well, when I work with the kids, I talk to the parents about, you know, making sure they're not focusing their lives around this virus and trying Mm. to take that focus out of the home. So I remember there have been some young people who who say, you know, Mum's always on the phone, she's always watching these news updates. I don't know she tells me it's not important to worry about it, but then she's doing all this stuff. They put the news on and it's really scary and it's all about the virus and And then they go to school, which used to be their place away from the virus, but teachers wear masks and some of the kids wear masks. And they're like, okay, well, the teachers are adults. Why are the other kids wearing masks? Do I need to wear a mask? Because I work primarily with the younger kids, so these primary school kids that don't have to wear masks, but teachers do. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, don't watch the news. If you don't have to watch the news, don't watch the news. The kids don't need to see that stuff. If you're wanting to check the updates, I think in Queensland, Anastasia does her... 10 a.m. briefing most days. If you want to know what's going on, take yourself off to the bathroom or say you're taking a phone call and quickly check the update but then get back to whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're doing with the kids just so that it doesn't become a huge focus.
1: The Medicare mental health subsidy definitely makes like, regular therapy more affordable for families. But at the moment, yes. I know specifically in New South Wales where I am, finding an available psychologist, let alone a child psychologist at the moment, means like months-long waiting list and sometimes not even call back from practices. Like what immediate support options do these vulnerable children and teenagers have? Look, I would
2: definitely encourage parents if they are wanting to find I guess, you know, help for their kids to jump on those, I mean, it's a bit more unconventional, but jump on your social media and just stop putting call-outs for anyone who knows anyone that has availability. I say that as a first option because sometimes you might find, you know, such and such has had a cancellation or has had a spot and can see you quicker. Other than having your own therapist or someone to talk to, you've got Kids Helpline, Beyond Blue have a service where you can call up and talk to somebody and Lifeline as well. Jumping online as well, there are some really good tips and tools, teaching kids about you know, managing anxiety. There's an app called Smiling Mind, which is free, free to use. You do have to register, but they don't spam you with emails. They have some really fantastic mindfulness meditation and it's stuff you can do as a family just to help relax and just you know breathe basically.
0: So that was Dr. Louise Williams, who's a senior clinical psychologist with so many great tips. There, we should mention Antoinette. The number for Lifeline is thirteen eleven fourteen. Kids Helpline one eight hundred double five one eight hundred. And
1: I think she also mentioned that free app, Smiling Minds. I definitely took a whole bunch of notes down. I just think it's so important to have those tools and strategies. Parents are struggling, children are struggling, and there are some simple things you can do at home. I'll definitely be taking some of that on board and passing it on to my sister who's struggling with her four teenage boys.
0: And coming up tomorrow, 9-11. Can you believe it has been 20 years since the Twin Tower attacks? We speak to an Aussie who lost his mum during that time. Listener.